Hey y'all, welcome back to Major Things. I'm your host, Kira Cleveland, and today we are going to be doing another STEM episode, which I'm super excited about. But before we jump into the episode, I want to give a few announcements, and I'm sorry if this feels like your 8 a.m. Zoom lecture, but they're just some things that I want to talk about. First, I want to say to my fellow UT students that I hope you had a great first week of classes. As you may or may not know, I'm in my third year at UT and I'm a psychology major and I actually just declared a minor in communications this past semester, so my classes are also back in full force. Funny story, I of course love to self-sabotage, so after a whole summer of not starting one new show on Netflix, I decided to start watching West Wing on the second day of class. So we will see how well that works out for me and my GPA this semester, and I will keep you updated. (laughs) Next, the editor Vivian and I thought it might be a good idea to transition this podcast to YouTube as well. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Major Things UT, and press the little bell to get notified when we post a video. Um, We're hoping to put out a video within the next week or so about leasing and West Campus. It will also be out on podcast form, but it would really mean a lot if you want to go check it out on YouTube as well. And lastly, please remember that we are unaffiliated with the University of Texas at Austin or any of their systems. I am just a girl who is interested in majors and wants to help people, and I am just particularly focusing on UT. Okay, so finally we are here. We are going to spotlight biomedical engineering today, and I'm going to be a thousand percent honest. I really had no idea what the heck this was until I started my research, and a part of me feels dumb because honestly it makes sense, but also I do not come from a family with a medical or engineering background, so there's that. Honestly, with these episodes, I'm usually learning as I do the research and as I'm kind of spitting off the facts to you guys. I would first like to say that I would like to give a big shout out to whoever designed UT's BME website because it is so easy to navigate and to learn from. It has been the easiest website, not just UT affiliated, but out of all the websites I've used to find out more. And I absolutely love that. So on this BME website, they describe the major like this. Biomedical engineering is an interdisciplinary field that takes aspects of chemical, mechanical, and electrical engineering and combines them with human physiology to solve problems in healthcare. So to kind of simplify that, biomedical engineers use their knowledge of engineering, software, and the human body to make better medical equipment for patients. Here at UT, um, the BME major, the BS in BME, is 133 credit hours, which include BME core courses such as biomechanics of human movement and biomedical instrumentation, UT core classes, biology and chemistry, calculus and physics, and a tech elective. One really cool thing about the BME program here is that here at UT we offer an integrated undergraduate and master's program where you apply your junior year then graduate with both your undergrad and master's for a total of five years. I've said this in a previous episode but if you already know that you want to go to grad school and uh, it's something that you really want to do, save yourself the time and save yourself the money and apply to do this. So kind of like the other majors we've talked about is a lot of them have different concentrations. And so once you get accepted into BME, after your first year, you can choose one of these four research concentrations. So they have biomedical imaging and instrumentation, cellular and biomedical engineering, computational biomedical engineering, 
and then molecular, cellular, and tissue biomechanics. And I will of course leave links to all of the information that I found in the blog post, so be sure to check out our website www.majorthingsut.com to kind of take a look at that. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, biomedical engineers should have these qualities. They should be analytical, they should have good communication skills, they should also be good at math, they need to be creative and problem solving. Do I think you need to be excellent at all five of these? No, you also have time to hone your skills, but also if you're good with most of these, you're still a good fit to be a biomedical engineer. So you've graduated with a degree in BME. What can you do now? A lot of people go to grad school or medical school and some go straight into doing research at hospitals or universities. But of course, these are not your only options. I will leave a link in our blog post again um, on what sort of careers you can go into with this degree. And now it's time for everyone's favorite question, how much money will I make with a degree in BME? So according to UT's website, the average starting salary for the program's graduates is about $70,000, and then the median pay for biomedical engineers in the U.S. is about $90,000. So it's safe to say that biomedical engineers get paid well. (laughs) And now let's jump into our interview with Anna. So tell us a little bit about yourself and about your path to college and why you chose to be a biomedical engineering major in particular. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do in high school. I took a freshman engineering class my senior year of high school to get a little taste of engineering. And I still didn't know like if that was for me, but I had watched some TED Talks about like BME stuff and I was like that sounds cool you know I'll just do that little did I know that BME is one of the hardest majors to get into at UT so I almost screwed myself over there could have gotten myself rejected by accident without doing my research but it has ended up working well because I really do love BME and um, UT BME has a lot of diversity in the sense of its classes which is really nice but that also hurts you a little bit if you you know you really want to do software you might not get to do a lot of that but that was nice for me since I didn't know what I wanted to do I just know that I was good at math and I loved science I'd always loved science in high school and you know it sounded cool that was honestly why I chose it 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 sounded cool I probably could have done a bio major or a psychology major if I were to go back I don't know if that I would have made the same choice had I not, you know, taken that engineering class that time. Like it wasn't that I'd always wanted to do BME. Um, Neither of my parents went to college. So I was definitely very blind going into that process of choosing a major and choosing schools and researching majors. I've been helping my sister apply to colleges and I've been like, look at the courses that you're going to have to take in that major at that school. It'll tell you a lot about it. I didn't know that at the time, so luckily it worked out well, but yeah. Yeah, so now that you're in BME, what has been, well, what did you learn most or what surprised you about BME since, like you said, you didn't really have like a big background? Yeah. Was the, like maybe a class that surprised you or anything like that? I think the thing that most surprised me 
was one, the level of difficulty in the classes was a big thing. Um, I did not realize at the time, maybe because I'm the oldest sibling and I had no experience with people in college, but those classes tear you apart that first year. They, everyone gets a C in a lot of those classes. Like you end up your first year at the C and I had friends that were bio majors and you know, even you know, non-STEM majors getting all A's their first year, and I was like, well, what? <laughs> I did not, and that that was something that really knocked me off my feet in terms of just like being in college. Um, and I think that was a result of BME. I wouldn't have felt that whole failure feeling had I not taken such a hard major right off the bat. Um, and then another thing about BME, like I said, there's a lot of software to it, and I think that's because we're becoming, you know, so involved in this tech age that they think everyone graduating college should have software experience. And BME has so much, or has so many applications in the real world, like you can do a lot with that major. But UT BME's program specifically really focuses on like devices. So like a electronic device, that could either go in your body or is external, but there's things like wet lab, half the labs in BME, half the professors are studying stuff with cells and tissue engineering and cell culture stuff. But we get like none of that in our curriculum. We have one junior lab that has half the time is cell culture. Like it's a very, very tiny bit, yet that's half of all the research that's being done at UT. And then we have, um, a track, which we can get into that later, the four different tr major tracks within BME, but one of them is focused on prosthetics, but there's not a single class that actually relates to prosthetics. When you think of BME, you'd think prosthetics, you know, is a big thing, but no one does that because there's no actual classes for it. So, yeah, which wow. sucks because I was like, prosthetics are cool, but they're like, if you wanna do prosthetics, do mechanical engineering. And it's like, why, wait, shouldn't I know? anatomy and stuff like that. So that was definitely a surprise, just the amount of software and classes that overlap with ECE and other, you know, coding related engineering majors. So what's your track? And I guess, like you said, you kind of were leaning towards prosthetics is what I got from that. What did you end up choosing and why? Yeah. So Prosthetics were always really cool to me and, and like artificial organs and tissue and just creating that kind of thing. I almost did tissue engineering at Alabama when, when they had offered me a scholarship at the time. I was, cause they didn't have a BME program at Alabama at the time. I don't know if they do now, but I was like tissue engineering, I guess that's cool. It could be like, you know, materials, stuff like that. But that's kind of what I thought I would do would be like, you know, developing screen, skin grafts and, you know, cartilage pieces for missing places in your body and things like that. But finding out that there was not a good path for that in BME, I have switched over to track two. So track one and three are both related to software and hardware in terms of electronics. I don't remember which one is which. Track two is cells, cancer, microbiology, stuff like that. And then track four is the prosthetics. So I'm on track two. And that just means in terms of your track, you have to declare it 
pretty much when you graduate, you have to have taken four classes that are for that track. So say you took your four coding ones and then you're like, JK, I want to do a different one. You could do a different one. You're not like locked in. You just have to take four of a distinct one. And I haven't started those classes yet because I still have two years left because I'm doing five total. But those seem the most interesting in terms of what I can do with the tech collectives. Like we have tissue engineering, cancer engineering, you know, microbiology, things like that. Organic chemistry too is an option. A lot of pre-meds in BME will do track two because your uh, pre-med requirements are met in terms of taking genetics, OCHEM two, and other classes like that. So they kind of knock both out. Like they have to take it for pre-med and so they're just gonna go with track two. So I say over half are track two. Okay. Um, so as we're talking and I kind of think pretty much everyone, myself included, thinks about engineering and we think about STEM and we think about how in STEM majors, women are the minority. Would you say that's the same for BME and what has been your experience being a woman in a STEM major? BME is really special in the sense that it's 50-50. We are 50% female, 50% male. I'm sure it fluctuates by a little bit, but it is half and half, which has been nice. It doesn't, I'll tell you a story in a second about a time that I dealt with, you know, not necessarily good men in STEM. But that being said, I think it's, BME is very small, but I know that in petroleum engineering, the women that are in that major are very close. But then if you are in BME, it's, there's less of a need to find those friends, you know, the other women in that major, because you're not so dominated by men. And for that reason, I think it's like, I haven't made a ton of really close friends in my classes that are girls. Like I haven't, you know, I, there's, there's a woman in BME program, but it's not super developed and stuff like that. So I do think that well, it is nice having 50-50. I do see like the petroleum engineering, women in petroleum engineering, like they have this like cohort of women and I'm like, they're super strong and they're super awesome. And I think it, people kind of forget about that in BME. They're like, oh yeah, well, there's girls in my classes. It's like, whatever, like, but, and we have like a decent amount of girls that are in sororities in BME, which was cool. That's so awesome. you can do both if you try, but I remember my first year lab, I was partnered with two guys and then one of them dropped. So it was just me and him. And he was like the most condescending person. Anytime I had like a good idea, he would verbally say, oh, that was a good idea. Wow. And I'd be like, yeah, like <laughs> sometimes happens like that. <laughs> so, and he would refuse to ask questions like from a TA or other friends, like in the class, like he just refused. He would have to do it himself. So he would end up staying like an hour longer than we needed to. And um, there was just things like that. And I've dealt with it other times where like, I still deal with men that think that they're smarter, better, things like that. So even in a major that's 50-50, you still experience it, which is, you know, horrible, but you gotta shut them down. Yeah, so, like, honestly, how do you even deal with that? Because in my head, it, 
I think I would have a freak out on somebody <laughs> if they were to talk to me like that. And so how did you learn to deal with that? Or is that just come with being like, okay, well, I'm confident in my abilities. I don't really care. Definitely like coming into college, you know, I, I had a really bad roommate freshman year. I wasn't ever shy by any means. I've always been a very social person, but I was not someone who stepped into conflict. I always just, you know, wanted to appease everybody and kind of de-escalate the situation. And I think that also comes from my household. Everyone has pretty big tempers. So that's always been like my go-to reaction is to be like, I'm not going to pick a fight. I'm going to de-escalate this. So coming into college, that that is honestly something I learned and it has helped me in that sense. Like freshman year, I don't think I said much to him. I think I, our project that I did the majority of one, like out of our freshman class. And um, I just remember being like, well, you know what? This guy was rude to me this whole time, but you know, I did the majority of building this and it won. So, you know, that was validating, but since then, dealing with, you know, just say people in general that talk down to you and, you know, make you feel dumb. There's tons of people that will like ask you questions and then you explain how you did it. And they're like, well, I don't think that's right. I don't think how you did it's right. And I'm like, well, then why did you ask me? Like, (laughs) and just times like that. And I think that now that I have like friends that are guys that are like awesome, I hear how they'll like talk back to the guys that are condescending. And I've just kind of picked that up and been like, well, then, you know, why'd you ask? Or why do you think that, you know, and standing up for myself is definitely how it definitely is annoying. (laughs) It gets very annoying. But asking questions and combating what you say, you're like, why did you ask me? (laughs) Like, It is one of the things that's a pet peeve and they do a lot. They just want to know like, what'd your answer be? And um, I think that, you know, just gaining the the confidence, you know, to be like, well, that's how I did it. So, you know, or I think that just comes with time, you know, I don't know what else to do besides that because they don't mean harm in it, you know, like, it's not like they're really malicious. They're just (laughs) know-it-alls. And you get that in super STEM majors because they're not social people. They're not like the people that talk down to you and you know don't necessarily think women are equal or things like that in terms of intelligence like they're also not the guys that are getting girlfriends they're also not the people who have a ton of friends you know and it's like okay well that person they may have a 4.0 gpa but like their interview might not go well you know so you just have to kind of put that in, in terms of things like okay well you can get just as far being nice and that's something you kind of just keep to yourself Yeah, I think that's something that is so important that I think I wish I would have known that at least when I was going into college and as I go through college, I'm learning that your personality can get you so far. Like, at the end of the day, like, of course, your grades matter, but this is just another example of you just, you also have to be a very well-rounded person and go make friends, like, it isn't high school where you're fighting. Well, for some majors it is where you're fighting for jobs, but you don't need, you need to be worried less about the competition and more about how you present yourself. Would you say that's kind of. Yeah, I definitely 
like agree with that statement a hundred percent because with BME and engineering in general, your grades are low. Like that's something I've just accepted. Like my boyfriend's in mechanical engineering. He did, he's in his fifth year. Your grades are just going to be low. Like no matter what engineering, you're not going to have a 4.0 unless all you do is study and you are like a natural learner, hundred percent. You're going to get C's, you know, and, and that was, like I said, very, very hard to come to terms with, you know, my roommate was sociology my sophomore year and, you know, she would write like a couple essays and she'd be like, oh my God, I got a 98, like that pissed me off. And I'd be like, I haven't gotten an A in a test, like my entire college, <laughs> you know, and, and I am, more times than not above the averages and I still am like I feel so crappy about myself but then you know I just think like well you had an internship sophomore year of college at a biotech place you worked in a lab for a year and a half at one of the top labs in BME you you know and and I got those because of I reached out and I you know talked well in the interview or you know and I volunteer a lot and I had an officer position and you know it's it's not all about grades and I definitely think that people forget that for sure and are real quick to poo-poo on themselves for their bad GPA and it's it doesn't matter as much as people think and and I'm a fake mentor I've done it for two years and that's always what I say I'm like if you get a bad grade it is not the end of the world it's not the end of the world if you get a C I remember my advisor being like, if you don't have a 3.5 GPA, you are not getting into grad school. And I was like, well, <laughs> I don't have one right now and I don't see it going up. So, but I, I agree with well-roundedness. Yeah. So you touched on this just a little bit. Tell me about your internship. And I know whenever I was stalking your LinkedIn, um, you were an undergraduate research assistant and then talk about your experience as a FIG mentor and you can kind of go about it how you want. Yeah. Um, I just want to start off with imposter syndrome is real, like a thousand percent. <laughs> because when I was like, I remember talking to my therapist and I, he was like, are you proud to be at UT? And I was like, nope, it was expected I got into UT. And he's like, are you proud you're in being me? I'm like, not really. And he's like, are you proud you have an internship? And I was like, nope. And I just, in my mind, everyone else had those things. So it was expected that I was in BME and I was excelling and I was had an internship and a lab position and worked for the university and all of these things. But I wasn't proud of myself by any means until I had a friend, like not close friend, but a friend in the major come up and he was asking me about my lab. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to quit it probably soon because I'm picking up hours at my job and I like my job better than the lab. And he was like, you're in a research lab and you have an internship. And I was like, yeah, don't you? And he was like, no. And I was like, oh, like it, it that was the awakening point when I was like, oh crap, I'm actually doing way better than I thought. This is not normal. It's not normal to have all these things. And I finally was able to like feel proud of myself in that sense, but just go through it. My, we'll go in like chronological order, I guess. I started working in the research lab the summer starting after my freshman year. Um, and I'm from Austin, so it was easy for me to just commute back. I live about 30 minutes away in my parents' house. So I was just commuting and that's like a really good 
way to get into a research lab in like STEM in general is during the summer because their usual undergraduate research assistants leave for the summer. They have internships, they go home. And so they're left with like no people. So that's a like thing I always tell my students is like, if you're in Austin for the summer, for whatever reason, and you have time, try to get into a lab if that's what you want to try is, you know, research of some, some sense. So that's what I did. I just emailed a bunch of professors and said, Hey, this is me. I have no lab experience. I don't really know what I want to do. Cause I was like, you know, I emailed all kinds of labs. I knew I didn't want to do coding, but I was like, cells, cancer, nano stuff, microbiotic, I don't know. I only emailed BME labs though, but I could have done other majors. It's not limited. So I got a couple replies and they all were like, maybe later. <laughs> I was like, okay. But then the graduate student that I ended up working under emailed me. My email had gotten forwarded to her and she was like, hey, do you want to come in? said yes and I was like I'll come in for an interview and the interview was loose interview wasn't very strict it was, we were just chatting over coffee and and then after that I started training and and I was working there about maybe a couple so five hours a week in in lab and then I was doing a lot of out of lab stuff analyzing pictures of cells and scans and things like that it wasn't glamorous, but I remember being really excited and I got a lab coat and I remember facing my mom like, look at the lab. So I definitely was really excited for wet lab is what we call lab in terms of like cells and things like that. But I realized really quickly that it was not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life or even four more years in grad school because lab work is lonely. Is very lonely there would be one other person in there and they didn't want to talk to you <laughs> so I would go in during the school year three times a week at 9 a.m and 9 p.m to switch over our experiments because they were on 12 hour cycles and so I'd wake up go at 9 a.m do my thing it's about an hour go back at 9 p.m for three days a week and then another undergraduate did another three days so it was cool to learn all of that stuff and I at first I was like so excited I was like this is so cool but the glamour really wore off and just being alone being there at night at 9 p.m changing this and then we didn't we did a project for like three months and then it just it turned out to not show anything didn't show a negative correlation or response it didn't show a positive we were like well <laughs> scrap it and do it again and my head was just like what we did all that work what do you mean like I'm I definitely realized I'm more of an instant gratification person and that I need to be around people because I was like oh well I have all these people in my life but even that two hours a day just being like alone in the lab it it was just like not fun I was like I don't want to do this I don't want to do this long term I don't want to do this for a big amount of time so I did that for about little over a year, a year and three months or something. Um, and then I quit and that was unpaid. That was all volunteer. And then any questions about that before I move on? No, you're good. You can keep on okay. going. Okay. Um, so then for fig mentoring, I applied my freshman year. You have to take a class. And then um, I was a BME fig mentor 
fall of my sophomore year. That was my first time. And that went really well. I wanted to be a fig mentor because I, I loved my fig. Um, for anyone that's not no doesn't know what fig is, it's a first year interest group. It's a group of, you know, 10 to 20 freshmen, usually within a similar major or program or, you know, scholarship program, things like that. And so I was a mentor for that. And it was super awesome. The kids were great, like bonded. One of them works at my internship now because I got him a job. Like it was really good and I enjoyed it. I really enjoy like helping, you know, someone will still reach out and say, what physics do I take at ACC to get credit? Or, you know, I had this issue with my roommate or, you know, any, any assortment of questions they still message me, you know, two years later. So that makes me feel good. And I did it again, a second year last fall and it went bad. <laughs> the kids, I don't know if it was just their class because I had a couple of figure under friends that had similar responses, but they just didn't need me in the sense that they, they didn't care. They didn't care to, they would come, but they just weren't there and they didn't need, you know, that, camaraderie and making friends they didn't really make friends with each other you know and and I was just like I didn't do anything different you know like what happened you know and it definitely like hurt my morale a little bit I remember you know telling Nick like you know and, and some of them I I actually like three of them nominated me for like best fig mentor and I was like what who no way did any of them do that like I was like they hate me and I genuinely did I was I kind of thought like they don't like me that's why you know but I definitely looking back now I just think that they didn't need that resource and that's what they tell us I was a pal for women in engineering and you know they say if, if your mentee doesn't you know reply to your texts or come to meetings or whatever like you know you don't have to feel bad because they may have a sister that's in UT you know they may you know, have a ton of friends from high school. They don't need those new friends. They don't need someone to ask questions because they already have the quote unquote mentor. So it definitely was a lot different. And I applied to do it this fall, but then they didn't schedule me for one. And then they tried to schedule for me for one later, but then I had a class. And so I'm not doing one this fall, but I hope to do one next fall. But it's definitely a rewarding job because freshmen, need a lot of help. I needed a lot of help coming in with, I mean, a lot of kids went to UT from my high school, but I was not close with any of them. And then the roommate situation even distanced me from more people from my high school. So I really latched onto the FIG program. And so I definitely like giving back, but, you know, they make it required a lot of times when maybe they shouldn't because of, you know, sometimes they don't need it, but I mean, I'll give another shot. I still love doing it, but I just remember last semester, I was just like, okay, like I'm trying so hard. And, and or, you know, people were talking to me and they were like, no, they do like you. I'm like, they don't, they don't like me. <laughs> so we'll see, but it's, it's really rewarding. And I like helping the freshmen and I, we, BME has a senior accepted student. So seniors have been accepted can come and get like a little presentation, ask questions. And I love going to that and answering questions and just things like that. So it's definitely right up my alley to do FIG. 
Yeah, that's definitely one of my biggest regrets as a freshman because I came in, I knew maybe two people mm-hmm. in my first semester before I joined Blue Bonnets. I spent six hours in the PCL every single day. And I just remember thinking, maybe I should have joined a fig to make friends. So I would definitely say that's one of my biggest regrets. And I know a couple people that are fig mentors and were in figs and they were like, oh yeah, it was such a great experience. And I was like, uh, I wish I had that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely I, something in this podcast that I want to bring up and maybe eventually do like a specific episode on is like, what is a fig and why you yeah. should join a fig? Yeah. And the right one, because like for my boyfriend, he was at transfer and he got thrown into a transfer students. That was the one thing they had in common was transfer student. And then they took one class together and he's like, I don't talk to any of them, you know, because it's, you need more of a connection than that. Like, so for BME students, you have three to four classes together that are the same. And so you walk the class together and you're doing all the same homeworks together and you're in, you know, and that builds a lot more. I definitely see that like the women in engineering figs where they have, it's like all women, but they're all in different majors and they have maybe one class together. They bond less for that reason. So finding the right fig, like if you're a tip scholar or other things like that, you can join the fig for them. Um, But maybe you don't do that if you're not really going to be involved in that, you know, things like that. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about your internship. So I got my internship through a friend. She had applied through Indeed, just, you know, on the job application. And then she was telling me you should apply. And I was like, okay, you know, I don't really need a job. I don't support myself financially. Didn't then now a little bit more. Um, My parents pay for my housing and things like that. And then I'm taking out loans for my classes but I applied and then you know my boss now called me and was like you want to set up an interview and I set up an interview and had a call with him and then he's like do you want to come in in person and I was like sure and so they did the in-person one and then after that I got the job it is a very small company there are five full-time employees and five interns so it's very very small that has its perks in the sense that, you know, we all know each other's personal lives, which is nice. I mentioned that, you know, my boss wants to go and have drinks with Nick, my boyfriend. And um, when I was, was like, I'm going on vacation, like a spur of the moment vacation to the Grand Canyon for my birthday, like I gave him a day's notice and they were like, that's so exciting. They weren't like, oh my god you didn't give us two weeks no you already took a vacation like they don't care last summer when I worked full-time I worked full-time last summer and full-time this summer I took three weeks off which is unheard of in a summer internship you know so for vacations so they they want that for you they don't care you know and that's nice like over winter break when I was working there, I worked full time on winter break. I was like, um, I need to get Christmas presents. I'm going to leave right now. And I left work at like noon one day and just went and shopped for Christmas presents because mm-hmm. I was like, I need to. It's like the 23rd. So there's a lot of grace and they give you a lot 
you know, personally, like they, you know, we have Christmas parties in the sense that you get to bring whoever you want and they give you really nice presents. And it's just a lot more personal having that, you know, five full-time and five interns. And, you know, like I said, my schedule's leaning and, you know, they care. I was like, I have a really bad stomachache, you know, and, and they were like, okay, stay home. You know, it's not like you need to come to work. So I've had other jobs where they're like, you're sick, too bad, come in. So that's really nice. And that is one of the reasons that I haven't switched and tried something else. Like what I'm doing there, I'll explain it later, but it's not what I want to do forever. So, you know, me and some of the other interns are like, yeah, like this is not what I want to do forever, but it's hard to give up the lenient schedule, you know, especially being a student and working. I work about 15 hours during the week, during the school year. So being like, hey, I have four exams this week. I'm not working this week. And they're like, okay, good luck. You know, that's really nice versus if you work, you know, at Starbucks, they're like, no, you're, you have a shift. Sorry, it's the night before your exam, you know? So that is really nice. And that is the main reason I have not left after over a year and a half of working there. And another perk is responsibility. I am like my supervisor's number two, basically at this point. Um, I get to sit in on all the meetings with clients. I get to do a lot of the paperwork. I have a key to the place. I have access to a lot of things that if I worked in the same position at a big company, I would not, you know, as an intern. That's really nice. You're given a lot of responsibility. I'd say the one bad thing is that, you know, I'm a really social person it really gets to me when no one's there. So we have an office space and then a warehouse attached to the back. And a lot of my work is in the warehouse. And sometimes I'm the only one back there. If, you know, I'm working on a Wednesday and everyone else is class and I'm the only intern there and all the other full-times are in their offices and I'm just in the back alone in a big warehouse. It, it gets lonely, you know, and that was something I said about the research is that I, I need human interaction in my job the days that everyone's there it's like a party it's fun we had you know treats there's always food in the kitchen like you know we we have a good time when everyone's there and I love it when everyone's there so I know that I would enjoy having more people around you know consistently at my job in the future and then another downside is that I don't want to do that forever this field of BME what we do is we build lateral flow test readers. So a lateral flow test is like a pregnancy test where liquid flows over it and then it'll give you a line. Um, in the past, the companies that use ours are mostly FDA re regulated companies. So wheat, dairy, you know, water quality, pet food quality, you know, things like that. We don't sell to medical. We're not approved for medical just um, like agriculture, you know, pet food, things like that. So in the past, they just have given, you know, a little strip, little paper strip and you dip it in and then the, the line says pink and they're like, well, is it dark pink? Is it light pink? What, you know, and, and you would get your milk and your milk would be spoiled or it would have a really high, high amount of antibiotics and things like that. So that's what they test for. We're, we're a distributor, so we don't, um, 
do any testing in-house. We don't make the test strips. We don't, you know, we sell to another company that then distributes to all the different types of companies. So we just, you know, build a ton of units. Um, but now the FDA requires a numerical value. They're like, it can't just be pink. We need to know the exact, you know, um, intensity value compared to a control line and things like this. And so, especially if you're in a lab, we have um, devices that are, you know, for lab based, and then we have like handhelds, you know, so if you're in a lab, you want to run a bunch of them, you know, really fast. But if you're out on the site, you want to be able to have a device that you can throw and drop and, and it'll be fine. And you can test your things wherever. So um, I like the manufacturing side of it. And then I like the quality control is, is a lot of what I do is just making sure that the unit works when it leaves. So, you know, you, you buy an iPhone and then you realize the second day it doesn't charge. Well, you're not happy. So that's like my job is to make sure it leaves perfect in a working condition and will continue to work. That's one of the issues that we have had. There's a thing called, um, Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Basically, electronics will either die in the first month or they will stay working for like five years. Like the percentage of failures will either be in that immediate time after it is sent out or it'll last for a long time. Um, so we see a lot of failures in that beginning time. And that's obviously really frustrating. You know, if your iPhone craps out at five years, you're like, okay, well, it's been five years. You know, I get it, but if it breaks in the first 30 days, so, you know, we, we do a lot of testing for that and quality control is interesting, but it's also very frustrating because when you have an issue, I, I'm patient, but I don't, I don't like problem solving. I <laughs> as an engineer, that's probably a bad thing to say, but I'm definitely like, follow you know there's engineers that are like let's fix this problem let's build this computer let's do this thing you know I'm more like give me a formula give me IKEA instructions and I will follow them you know like I will build that so that's why I like the manufacturing because it's like it's the same every time same same steps you do it and it works you know so I think that in the future I mean I don't know what I want to do after college I really don't and that's why I just am continuing to do all kinds of things to try to find that, but I think I would like to do something that's more, you know, will have a definite answer or, you know, maybe being a consultant for someone and be like, okay, well, I have all this knowledge and here, let me, you know, give this to you and things like that. I don't know. I really don't. I just know that in terms of like passion, this is not it, you know? So we'll see. I don't hate it. Like, I don't, not like, ugh, but it's definitely not like my passion, you know, something that I'm going to be like so excited to do 40 to 60 hours a week, you know, as a full-time adult. Um, but, oh, something that's neat that I do is um, I, when we get broken ones, not only do I try to make sure it doesn't leave and will break, you know, in some sort of hardware software way, when we get devices back that are broken, something is wrong with them, something's not working, not turning on, we open them up and see what's wrong. <laughs> and 
we've had that is very fun because we see how people trash their property like they'll return it to us and it is smashed up it looks like you threw it from a moving truck and they're like it won't turn on we have no clue why i'm like uh did you drop it there's like a huge (laughs) dent it's missing screws there's a crack in the screen they're like it might have fallen i'm like this is hard hard plastic that has a huge dent and scratches and stuff and and me and my supervisor always laugh at that because now being in you know device design and development and all those kinds of things like I think and I'm like oh yeah I bet if they opened up my computer it's full of cat hair and tortilla chip crumbs and they're probably <laughs> laughing at me on the other end if I send it back to HP like because we get units back and and there's dead bugs inside because there's like you know ports that like you know charging ports like those go in they they have openness so and the test reports yeah i've had like eight dead flies in one of them and you know they're about this big like so you know, like baseball uh basketball size the lab ones and um just dead bugs and you know liquids because sometimes people do liquid testing right for if you're in the water quality or if you're in dairy or any of those kinds of fields you're you're running strips there's these like little tubes you know and you put liquid in there and then you put your test strip in and then it reads it and well you'd think in a lab they would use like a pipetter it looks like you just poured with a cup like (laughs) in there and they're like they're like uh the camera is really blurry in there just a camera and and we're like um okay well it's filled with dried liquid so I don't know what you did but okay you know and so it that's that is one thing that I really enjoy is is getting back units that are just so mishandled and then they're always like I don't know why it won't turn on (laughs) okay so it just it really reminds me of like I dropped my Beats headphones into I had the pods into the pool and I sent them back and I was like they're not turning on and they just sent me (laughs) and I think back and I'm like that was me (laughs) like we treat our electronics so badly so you really do I really loved how you touched on the good bad and the boring I guess of an internship because I feel like you like at least for me whenever I hear about internships you either have a really really great one or an awful, awful one. So I like yeah. how you talked about the good parts of it, the bad parts of it. And it's so important, I think, especially for first generation students, I wish I would have had someone to tell me, oh, this is what I do at my internship and really give mm-hmm. me like a detailed response other than, oh yeah, I do coding. Okay, well, what is the actual work environment like? So I can kind of yeah. talk about that because that's something I feel like so many people struggle with, but we're all too embarrassed yeah. to really say it. Austin Austin is really good for tech jobs and internships because there's hundreds of jobs like mine where it's a small company. I get to do a lot of different things. I get a lot of responsibility because, you know, I do similar work to a full-time, you know, and, but I, you know, I have friends that even my supervisor, when she first, her first internship was at a big healthcare company and she was like, they sat me down in front of a computer and told me the project that you were going to be working on got canceled, got defunded. So uh, make yourself busy. And she was told she can do whatever she wants. She just has to sit at that desk. 
and they get tax breaks for having interns. It was a big, big company. So, you know, they get, it's worth more in tax breaks to have to pay her whatever, $13 an hour. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and she was like, it was the most boring thing I've ever done. I would, I wanted to do something. She was like, they literally were like, you and three others are just here so that we have interns. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to do anything because we no longer are doing that project. You know, make yourself busy. We don't care. We don't, it's too much effort to deal with you. You know, so that happens. And, and it also happens where, you know, you work in a tech job and you're doing the same thing every single day. Like, even though mine gets boring and lonely because, you know, I sometimes do do the same thing. Like, I can't imagine working somewhere where like you genuinely do the same thing every day. Like mm-hmm. you are logging the same spreadsheets or you are building the same part of a big project, you know? So that can happen in tech and, and you have to be careful. It's like, Oh yeah, I like manufacturing. I like building. Okay. Well you may work on an assembly line like, as yeah. your internship and, and, or you may be sent home and said, okay, do this coding. It's not going to actually go for anything project, but we just need you here as an intern. It's not actually helping anything. So it is definitely true. Like that can happen. Um, so that's why I think small companies are good for internships. It's definitely, you know, slimmer, like, you know, Valero will hire 500 interns for a summer and my company will hire five. So it's, you know, more competition, you know, but people aren't usually looking for small companies. They don't realize the opportunity that's there with that. Yeah. Um, so lastly, before we close the interview, I want to talk about your little business sticker jewelry company. I'm super yeah. interested in that because I feel like I don't hear about a lot of people who actually pursue little businesses like that. So go ahead and tell yeah. us about that. Um, it started with, I was just designing stickers. I've always loved stickers and just designing to put them on Redbubble, which is, you know, print on demand store. And I had a lot of success there. I really liked it, but Redbubble, I don't do any of the shipping, manufacturing, advertising, nothing. I just put the designs and then they do that and they take a cut. And I also started designing for Big Moods, which is another sticker company. And I was just a designer for them. And then I get a cut from that. Um, But I wanted to sell them on my own. I wanted to make my designs and and get them printed and sell them and things like that. And I've always had kind of a sell retail, you know, vibe to me. Like I've always enjoyed that. Like I was never on Girl Scouts. My sister was, and I was always like, well, let's go sell your cookies. And she was like, no, I don't want to. I'm like, okay, well, I'll go do it for you. Like (laughs) I've always liked that. And I thought about like maybe medical device sales, but who knows, but so I just went ahead and did that. And, you know, I've just been growing a following on Instagram. That's where all of my um, traffic comes from for my websites, really Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, things like that. So, I mean, we'll see as it grows. And then um, I was talking to my sister and she was like, I like your stickers, but I don't like have anything to put them on. Like I'm not a sticker person. And she was like, you should do jewelry. So I looked at that and so I ordered some jewelry, like wholesale that I thought was cute. And so I've started selling that. And then um, I want to start making like prints and doing, you know, like accessories and phone cases, just like expanding and doing kind of like my, my motto for the shop is things that you don't need 
but that you want. <laughs> you know, like you don't need stickers for your water bottle, but you want them, you know. So that's kind of been my um vibe with that. And it's been really fun. It's been really educational on, you know, I had to verify my domain with Instagram and I had to learn how the heck do you add a meta tag to your, you know, to your website. Like how do you build a website? How do you, you know, am I infringing on someone's trademark? Am I infringing on a copyright? Am I, you know, how much, if I make a certain amount, when am I going to get taxed? Like just all kinds of things like that that I've looked up because I don't want to fall on my face in a sense of, you know, make a mistake. So it's been fun to learn and I hope that it keeps growing. Yeah, for sure. I think your jewelry and I are so are so cute and then I love your stickers so yeah. you're so cute um so please shout out what your Instagram is and what your website is just so all of the listeners can go check it out yeah um all social medias are at sixth s-i-x-t-h street co c-o um and the website is www.sixthstreetcompany spelled out dot com Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I so appreciate it. And it's always so refreshing, so refreshing to talk to other first gen students who are still trying to find their way, but and are getting internships and doing everything all kind of by themselves and who are also taking on side projects. So you are amazing. And I wish you the thank best you. in everything that you do. Thank you so much for having me on here. You're welcome. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening this week. And I hope this gave you a little bit more of an insight as to what a BME major can do. If you have any questions or want to tell us about your experience, head to our website, www.majorthingsut.com or go to the Instagram at majorthingsut. I hope you guys all have a very happy and safe Labor Day. And hopefully you guys will tune in next week where we're going to be talking about leasing in West Campus. Bye, y'all.